Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 7th of November 2019. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is CC Research Director Robert Barwick. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And I'm also the Citizens Party Research Director now. That's right. <laughs> so on today's show, we have cash ban blowback as Treasury tries to suppress dissent, JP Morgan drives super QE bailout, and if the government cared about farmers, it would re-regulate dairy. So firstly, cash ban blowback as Treasury tries to sideline to suppress dissent. Well, they did it. Um, we have a, I've got a Freedom of Information document here, Elisa, that came from a request by one of our staffers, Aaron Isherwood, um, to the Treasury asking what happened to the submissions to the, to the uh, cash ban inquiry that Treasury run the consultation in, in, back in August. And if you look through it here, um, lots of big grey redacted bits. Mm. So it would be very interesting to find out what lurks in there for sure. But can I highlight a few of them? Yes. Uh, the first thing, um, which is the, the, the worst part of it by far, is they acknowledge that they got 3,500 submissions right to the inquiry. Over. Over 3,500 submissions. Um, and then they said over 3,400 of these submissions are part of a campaign by the Citizens Electoral Council. We are liaising with your office on these submissions. Now, that is outrageous, right? So first of all, even if the CEC did do 35, for 30, over 3,400 submissions, how dare Treasury not treat them with respect? They got, I mean, I won't say they got no idea. Maybe they do know. We've been at this for quite a long time. Right, and and we know better than anyone, any organisation probably, how difficult it is to convince people, and the regular viewers know what I'm talking about. I harp on about it, to convince people to not put it off, to not think they're inadequate, etc., and get in there and make a submission so their voice can be heard by the treasury, by the government. Right, one of the problems that we have in in democracy in the West, and in fact, I was just talking to someone from New Zealand about this this morning, is that. Where I do cut politicians some slack is they've they got all these vested interests lobbying them all the time, right? All the time. It's a huge problem. Um, and what most people do, ordinary people, is get demoralised and give up. And they say, oh, they get cynical. I, you know, there's no point. And by absenting themselves from the process, the politicians, many of them, especially these, you know, normal, ordinary people who are backbenchers, etc., that don't have any particular agenda, they don't get to hear very much what the public think. And so we said a few years ago when some of these issues around banking issue matters came up, we need policy change, but the public needs to demand it. And we've been saying for a number of years now, you call your members of parliament, you make submissions to these inquiries. And we, did, we got 700 to the financial system inquiry in 2014. When we had, when we had two weeks in, um, in 2017 to, to make submissions to Treasury on the bail-in law, in those two weeks we got 250. Um, that bail-in law was rammed through anyway, right? But the backlash is huge. Things have grown so much bigger then. When this cash pan came up, it wasn't just the CEC this time. Mm. There was a lot of different organisations. Um, I have to pay tribute to John Adams and Martin North who first warned about this and then did some very big shows on it and Martin had me on his show. Um, different YouTube 
channels around Australia were, take, were, were, were t taking up the issue in a big way, right? And um, uh, it just started resonating everywhere. This is something that really got to people straight mm. away. And we said, I mean, you know, think of the comparison. Two years ago, we got 250 in two weeks. On this issue, 30, over 3,400. That mm. is massive. This is what really has Treasury worried because Absolutely. they know it's much bigger than the CC, that this has just taken off, it's gone viral, and people are participating in politics in a way they haven't done before. That is, when they're, they're looking, to them, it's the barbarians at the gate. Yeah. But, but here's, where it's, here's where it's nasty, because this is a document that Treasury, this, this unelected institution, sends to the parliament, the elected people, right? And I can tell you, those people, the ones who aren't idiots or corrupt are too busy to mm. pay much attention to much unless they are getting um, harassed by their constituents. And they rely on these kind of documents. And here it is dismissed, oh, you can, you know, yeah, um, what they should have said, oh, hello, Parliament, we just had the biggest backlash to a policy of all time. Mm. You better pay attention to that and come up with a, do something about it, right? No, instead I just dismiss that. And, and this is members of Parliament who voted for it didn't realise they'd voted for it. Well, that's the other thing. When it went through a few weeks ago, we've now, we've now seen the House. numerous cases when it went through the House of Representatives, people who were in there and officially voted for it didn't know. They've admitted it. Because they just follow the voting pattern of the party. Actually, before you move on to, to some of those other examples on that, I just want to highlight back to the, the FOI document, two parts to apart from this, this line about 3,400. Um, uh, Treasury recommends maintaining the strict liability offence. It, uh, it is the only means available to ensure the necessary behavioural and cultural change to give effect to the announced policy. In other words, we have to make examples of people. This is very sinister, right, what, what, they're, what these bland bureaucrats in Treasury are doing here. And the, very, the last point to make, look, the last few pages are all grey, right, they just re redacted them completely. I'll show the viewers that. All grey, all grey. But they had this section here, the, the last part that's not redacted, is other concerns out of scope, which basically means irrelevant to this inquiry. Number 13, negative interest rates and hoarding of cash. This is a prevent, the, the, the concern is this is a preventive measure designed to restrict the hoarding and use of cash once the RBA implements a negative interest rates policy. And Treasury has just said that's got nothing to do with this inquiry. Oh. Rubbish. We've nailed that as the central motivation for this. And... They want to lie about it. This is a false and misleading document mm. from unelected bureaucrats to the Australian Parliament. Something should be done about it. Now, funnily enough, this all proves that this method works. So make sure you make your submission to the Senate inquiry into this cash bill. You have around about a week. It's due on the 15th Because they are the elected November. people. The, the Senate, they're the, they're the elected people. Don't worry about the, these, these jerks in Treasury. They're the elected people. They, by, by their nature, they have to look at these submissions differently. And join one of our Senate delegations if you can. We've had a number of delegations where five or six local people are fronting up to their MPs' offices. These are taken um, off. Which are really having a mammoth impact. Um, there was one supporter who went up to his MPs aide and had a list of nine people that were coming to the meeting and the aide said, well, why do you need so many? And he said, oh, I can go get more. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was another guy who called up his MP and he was trying to set a meeting, but he got 10 minutes on the phone there and then to speak with the MP, which made a big impact. Six activists fronted up one MP who didn't know it had passed the House. Now, this particular MP is an inner city MP, right? And when one of these guys talked about his going out to rural areas with his business, where it's much better to operate in cash because it's more reliable, this MP said... 
what's the problem? Can't you take an FPOS machine with you? <laughs> These people are very, very out of touch. Mm. And a, uh, another a senator's aide told a group of five activists that the cash ban bill is the number one issue that they're being hit with and said we are getting a lot, a lot of feedback. So contact us if you want to be involved in such delegation. And we'll, we'll have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back to discuss the international financial ramifications of all of this. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. We're now discussing big banks drive super QE bailout. But before we get into that, you've got something to add on the, what we were previously discussing. Yeah, so a couple of things quickly. Obviously, the most important thing is people should make their submissions by the 15th. That's only a week, effectively a week away from when we're recording this, right? Make, if you haven't got your submission, put it in. Also, if you're someone who um, is discussed at the Treasury, write a letter to the Treasury complaining about this treatment of the, of the consultation. We hope to get a lot of those kind of complaints, and that might actually go somewhere, as I said. But I want to give you two positive things. Oh, well, well, positive and negative. The negative one is the federal government's just released its new anti-money laundering law. And this law proves they are not serious about the black economy at all. They are such hypocrites, right? This is all about you know, control of the population because the, the money laundering law, everybody knows one of the biggest ways to launder money outside of cash is real estate. And that's been recommended to them. The whole world knows real estate money laundering is a problem. But this new law the government has unveiled once again does not include real estate. Right? They will not touch it. They, they have a, we have a bubble economy and that comes first. And they want black money coming into the bubble economy and the, into the real estate market, etc. They are not serious at all. It's a point Andrew Wilkie made in his speech when the bill was ran through the House of Representatives. And this proves it. On the positive side, the... Um, the Auditing inquiry into the big four corrupt auditors, global auditors that we reported here a few weeks ago, the submissions of that, for that have closed. They received many more submissions than they have anticipated, right? So this is really good, and they might have to have extended hearings as well, which, which can bring out some really good information that can help further expose the corruption in the financial system, which you're about to talk more of. And you can call in for more on that audit inquiry in the Australian Alert Service. You can read more about that. Um, call in if you haven't already for a complimentary copy. So on the financial, international financial front, which we'll talk about now, um, the repo crisis that blew up in the middle of September um, is now beginning to become, I mean, there's still a lot of murkiness and haziness, but it appears that major banks are front-running a new major QE operation. So their actions in withdrawing lending uh, that they normally would make to smaller banks, because uh, there's 24 major banking institutions and trading houses that act as the conduits of Fed money through to the smaller banks. And they, of course, stopped lending. Um, and even though they said, we've got the money, for instance, one of the um, top 10 uh, bankers told the FT, we have plenty of liquidity. We are just choosing not to lend it out overnight to hedge funds. And as it turns out, there's a lot of major hedge funds that are in trouble. $77 billion has been withdrawn from hedge funds this year, more than double what was pulled out last year and nearly $30 billion in the third quarter. Um, so there's a crisis going on there. Uh, banks like JP Morgan Chase have an extraordinary exposure to derivatives, which has actually increased 51% since September 2008. In the United States, 86% of these derivatives are held by JP Morgan, Citibank, Goldman, uh, Morgan Stanley and Bank of America. 
and all the, there's only about three or four counterparties uh, for all of these derivatives, as was the case in the 2008 meltdown with AIG. Um, so what Bank of America has been doing, they've basically held the Fed to ransom by halting their lending into the overnight repo lending market and forced the, the Fed to step in with these daily uh, repo loans which have been both extended through to the new year. The amount that they're lending each day has been increased. It's now up to $690 billion per week. The Fed just made the third rate cut and announced a new QE program uh, of $60 billion a month, which they're claiming is not QE. Now, the latest thing they're talking about is extending new daylight overdrafts or intraday liquidity, among other technical things that they've said are possible. And this appears to be driven by JP Morgan, which in a client note has demanded that Wall Street banks should not have to hold any cash reserves and that the Fed should provide all liquidity to all banks so that these 24 banks that act as intermediaries can be off the hook to spend all their money on speculative activity rather than maintaining that liquidity. Someone made the comment that JP Morgan, which is the second biggest private bank in the world after HSBC, um, is acting, behaving like the world's in a recession. Yeah, that's right. They're already acting that way because they know it's coming. Um, so the Fed should establish a standing repurchase agreement facility to maintain daily liquidity. And I'll just play this clip of the head of the bank, Jamie Dimon, where you can see he's talking about very confidently as if he knows exactly what the Fed will do and that the Fed will take his advice. Um, when we consider some of the factors we've seen in, in the interest rate markets of, of late, uh, the spike in the, in the repo rate, the fact that after the September rate cut, the following week LIBOR so far and the effective fund rates all actually increased initially before they then fell. Has the Fed lost some of its power, some of its control? No. Look, the Fed is a very powerful institution. They've got a lot of tools at their disposal, uh, including their voice, their capability, their ability to act strong and tough in multiple ways, you know, financing markets, rates, et cetera. That I think the technical thing about rates going up, you know, they missed. There, there are issues there, but they're kind of technical. What happened to reserve balance sheets and banks' ability to finance repo and stuff like that? They are aware of the issues. I think there should be some permanent fixes, not just temporary fixes, but they, let, let them work on it a little bit. They'll, they'll finish their deliberations and decide. Lisa, you said before we went to that clip that it's advice. No, that's orders. Mm. Right? The private banking system controls the, the, the central banks. And they, they're, they're, they're just a speculative nightmare. It's just one big, massive global bubble. And everything is geared towards pumping in all the free money in the world to keep them propped up. And nothing, but it won't work. Yeah, and nothing into the real economy, which is suffering, as we'll talk about very shortly. And I just wanted to add that McKinsey & Co., as people might have heard, has forecast that a third of the world's banks are likely to collapse in a coming downturn and nearly 60% would struggle without major changes. So, and Of course, one of the measures that the banks are pushing is going cashless. Right, that, that, we know CBA has predicted Australia will be totally cashless, but this is beyond even the cash ban. Just be cashless in general, mm. because if you're completely cashless, everything goes through the banks in the system in one way or another, and they get that, they're hoping that will be another measure to prop them up. Yep, we'll be right back after this break to talk about how to save the dairy industry. Mm. 
Welcome back to the Citizens Report. If the government cared about farmers, it would re-regulate dairy. Now, between the drought and milk prices collapsing, we've gone from, in Queensland, for instance, 1,500 dairies at the time when we deregulated the industry down to 385 today. Milk production, which had doubled in the decade leading up to that deregulation in 2002, has fallen consistently since. It's expected to drop to 8 billion litres this year, which would make it a 30% drop since peak production. Now, token efforts like the 10 cent increase on a litre of milk um, and various government handouts do not work. And I want to show a clip here from a month ago from a dairy farmer, Scott Pribbenow, speaking to that. The supermarkets have, have actually... They, they put the price up in February, 10 cents, and, and we got 1.4 cents, and Norco, our... our producer put in the other six cents, so we got seven and a half cents. Then in, in July, they put the price up another 10 cents. No one knew anything about it. And, uh, and, and, and they decided they, uh, they need to start making money out of milk. Like, you, you dirty, rotten, mongrel bastards. You know, we need that 10 cents. My cows wouldn't be on the, in, made in the mince now or whatever. You know? What, I don't get it, Alan. I don't get... What is Cole's agenda? Like, you, you've obviously decided to make milk money out of milk now, and you're going to look pretty bloody stupid when there's no milk to make money out of. And, and, and what is the government's agenda? Like, seriously, you, you've got this fund somewhere, and, and we're not going to see it till July next year? Like, there's, there's guys around me who are, are hanging on by their bare scrape of their teeth and, and, and they're about two weeks away from, from uh, sending all their cows to, to the abattoir. And so the agenda, what is the government's agenda? The agenda is neoliberalism, right? These people were brainwashed into this way of thinking and it's, it, it's got all sorts of stupid components to it. It's things like the law of comparative advantage, right, which says Australia shouldn't have dairies. That's that, let New Zealand have the dairies. We'll just have, you know, mines, right? That's our strength. And no country can be sovereign, no country can be self-sufficient, no country can, should support its own industries. And in fact, the Nationals, we're going to talk about some of their policies in a minute, but the Nationals are still resisting the calls for re-regulation from that standpoint. But what happened with the milk um, dairy industry in Australia is one of the, the, the most um, graphic examples of how this neoliberal agenda was used to smash an industry based on, purely upon bloody-minded um, ideology, right? So... All, the reason the Queensland one suffered and people like Bob Catter have been fighting for them for years is because, yeah, it's cheaper to, 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 to produce milk in Victoria. But the reason when I, I was born in Townsville. I, I, for six years I lived as a little boy, I lived in Townsville and I drank fresh milk from around Townsville because it's fresh, right? It's slightly more expensive, but it's fresh. And they, they mow all that, destroy all that. And what, they've, what they do is they, what deregulation did was take, um, destroy any sort of, uh, bargaining strength farmers had and give it all to big and bigger and bigger corporations, mm. right? And that's the, the and those corporations are involved in think tanks and such which fund these policies to do it. Mm. It's corruption. It's, okay. it, that's all it is. And now finally we're at the, 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 the very dregs of the industry and the, the public are starting to see, man, you know, a few cents more won't make a difference to me, but if it'll save the farmers what's wrong with it, but all the Liberals and Nationals can do is stick to their ideology. Mm. 
Now, um, competition policy it was a fraud written by Macquarie Bank executives, and you can read more about that in the Australian Alert Service. But Pauline Hansen is going to make the Australian Competition Consumer Council set a minimum price if her bill passes on Monday. It's the uh, minimum price for milk. Uh, the bill is the Australian Dairy Bill 2019. Uh, and it's not rocket science. There's a minimum price the farmers need to stay solvent, mm. right? And what we've been paying, the dollar a litre we've been paying, Elisa, that's only for the last, whatever, seven or eight years. Before that, we paid more. Did any of us suffer because we made, paid slightly more for milk? No, this is bloody mindedness. So what it's doing is, is, is slightly balancing it back in the, in, the, in the way of the farmers. And the Labor Party has come out to support it, which is very good. Mm. But the Liberals and Nationals are saying, oh, we can't do this. You know, well, you'll see their excuse. Bob Cutter talks yeah. about it. So we'll just hear from Pauline, who's teamed up with Bob Catter. Well, I've put up a private members bill to save the dairy industry, so we have a, a set farm gate price set by the ACCC. It also includes a mandatory code of practice, and it's, it um, calls for divestiture of the processes, so they can't control the market. Now, this is a private members bill that I've put up. Um, the Labor Party have given me some of their time on Monday to ensure that the bill comes on the floor of Parliament and hope to be, to be debated on. Then I hope that to, it will be voted on and, uh, and get it moving. Yeah, so this is the point the, that the Labor, Labor Party moved for a minimum price scheme. Yeah, and, but Labor are helping you out effectively, Pauline Hanson, by giving him the time. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, so this will I'm come very, to a head. I'm very appreciative. Yep. It'll test out the nationals. Very appreciative of it. I did, I did have my time on the on the Thursday, but whether it could have got to vote, that was doubtable. Now with the Labor giving me that time, they are very supportive of the dairy industry. I've spoken to Albanese. He said yes, Labor will support the dairy industry. So now it's up to the National Party and the Libs to come on board with this and ensure that dairy farmers have a viable industry and are paid the right price for their milk. So that's going to play out in the Senate, and then it might come down your way, Bob Catter. Well, you know, I've moved three times for this, and I've got no support in the House of Reps, except from the crossbenchers. Um, but the Labor Party moved for a minimum price scheme before the last election. They would be arch-hypocrites if they didn't back Pauline now. Um, point one. And point two, I think there will be an imperative and a, and a momentum built by Pauline in the Senate that will enable us to get the numbers in the House. There's uh, at least two people contemplating crossing the floor. So if the federal government doesn't come into it, they're going to be deeply embarrassed in the House of Representatives. Well, I think it's going to put the National Party on notice here. If they, if they accuse me of taking their policies with the mandatory code of conduct, that's, that they've sat on their hands for the last year and a half. It was in the bottom drawer. It's going to stay there. The last there. 20 years? Well, it, yeah. Last the whole fact years. is that if they don't support this, it shows them mm. what they are. Bloody hypocrites. Get out there and support the dairy and farming sector that we're losing in droves or they're suiciding. So they've got their chance on Monday. Show, show us exactly where you stand. I, I can't help but say... Their four spokesmen all said, if you give any assistance to the dairy industry, you'll destroy our international trade agreements. <laughs> That's a terrible statement to yeah. make. Threatening, threatening Pauline and myself and the other supporters. So, Lisa, um, Lisa I just want Bob Catter talked there about the Nationals saying about the attacking them over, oh, this is going to hurt our trade agreements. And this is, the, this is the insanity that's been used to smash industry for too long, right? Um, the... 
what I'm what I'm happy about though is what we're starting to see is is the signs that neoliberalism has had its day. It's been a 40-year experiment that's destroyed our industries. Across the board, there's a reaction to it. The reaction is people are dropping the ideology and just saying, how do we address and solve the problems, whether it's in industry, whether it's in the banking system, etc. Because we want to have a functional economy at the end of the day, not, not some purely ideological system where a handful of super rich and the rest of us are beggars. Mm, exactly. Now, final reminder to make your submission because that's the biggest way you can make an impact into this entire scenario. Call us if you need more information. Thanks for tuning in this week. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. And tune in again next week for the Citizens Report.